Good morning. I want to just share something kind of quickly with you here that uh, Lord's been working in me. I I got to tell you, I am really excited about where God has us, what He's doing, what He's revealing to us, and uh, the things that He's working in our heart. It's uh, it's good. Uh, in Matthew chapter six, we've been keying off of that verse to talk about the secret place. And uh, so I want to kind of, I don't know, tie that up or I don't know, something with it. So we're going to do that. Matthew chapter 6, verse uh, 5 through uh, 13. (laughs) I thought that was right. All right, let's just read it. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, secret place, another translation says, closet, go into your secret place, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. Why do we go to the secret place? Because the Father's in secret. If I want to pray, I want to go where He's at, and that's where He's at, is in the secret place. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Now, I think it is just ironic to me. I mean, my mind is so weird sometimes. He says, don't pray in meaningless repetition. And that's right before the passage that is prayed in repetition more than any other passage in the scripture. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the kingdom of God. And so he's saying, he's not saying repeat this as some kind of a mantra or some kind of talisman that you stick over things and, and it's going to fix it. Uh, he says, don't pray that way. Pray in this manner. Pray like this. Not necessarily pray this. And he says, do not be like them for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this manner. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now, it's easy as as we in a Western mindset read Scripture We're so methodical in our learning approach. It's line upon line, precept, this, that, this, that. And so it would be very easy to read these passages as we've talked about and draw from it that Jesus is saying, okay, now you've done your thing in the secret place. Get out of there. Leave it and go do something else. But the secret place is not a geographical location. It's not a closet, a physical closet. It's where he resides. That's the secret place. Where does he reside? He resides here. That's the secret place. And that's what we've talked about all these times, is finding that secret place where he resides and fellowshipping with him and developing intimacy with him. He's not saying, okay, now leave that and go walk in the flesh. What What I see here is, 
Take this with you. Take the secret place with you. And all you have gained from being there, take it to the world. He introduces something here. Take what happens there in the secret place to influence the world. He says, he introduces this concept here, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He introduces a kingdom. Now, in America, we don't dig kingdoms, except when England has them and we, you know, think that's romantic or something. But the truth of the matter is a kingdom requires one thing, and that's a king. And a king is absolute. A king is sovereign. A king is in complete charge over his entire domain. And he says, I want what has happened in this secret place. I want you to take what has happened in this secret place and impact the world with what has happened in that place. Our impact in the world starts with the secret place. That's where it starts. Doesn't start with our talents. It doesn't start with our mind. It doesn't start with our skill. Doesn't start with our uh, abilities. Our impact on the world, if we're going to impact the world with anything more than just our opinions, and we got enough opinions, folks. If we're going to impact the world with God's presence, that starts in the secret place. Something takes place in the secret place in order for something to take place in all the world. So he sends me, having been in the secret place, having experienced the Lord, into the world in order to impact the world with the things he has accomplished in me in that secret place. Let me just give you a very, very simple, and we may elaborate on this more later on, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is anywhere the will of the king is done. That's that's simple. Anywhere that the will of the king is done, that's the kingdom of God. And he sends us to advance that, saying you have now you have experienced the king in the secret place now take the impact that's had on your life and impact the world with it and it starts in the secret place it starts in that secret place with us learning to recognize the will of the king you've got to recognize the will of the king before you can advance the will of the king right you have to know what it is. There are all kinds of voices outside the secret place, not only demanding our attention, but demanding our obedience, that we obey them. Mindsets, worldviews, philosophies, perceptions, screaming at us, not just give me attention, I want you to obey this. We learn to distinguish between that voice and the voice of the king in the secret place. Not only that, in the secret place, we learn to value his will. We come to realize in that time with him that his will really is good, perfect, and acceptable. 
and that there is nothing in the universe better for me than God's will. Well, can you just think about that a minute? My opinions, my desires, my emotions, my dreams, my visions, my wants, you know, the things I have planned out, nothing in the universe is better for me than the will of the king. And it's through this intimacy in the quiet place, in the secret place, that I learn to value that. I, I struggle with it sometimes. You know, I go to him and I spend more time uh, laying out to him the problem than I do asking him what he wants to do about it. But when I come to that realization, there's nothing better than what he wants. So, Father, look, here's what I'd like. It'd be nice. More than anything else, I want what you want. Not only that, but we learn to yield to his will in the secret place. We're able, we're learned to yield to his will in the secret place and that his will can be trusted. So we don't yield to what we can't trust. We don't yield to what we can't trust. You've heard the story about, you know, uh, fathers putting their kids on the roof and telling them to jump. They're going to catch them. And, uh, you know, they're trying to teach them trust. And I, I have a friend who his father set him on the hood of the car. Said, now jump, he'll catch him. And he worked up enough courage to jump. And the father stepped back and the kid fell on the ground. And he said, now that'll teach you don't ever trust anybody. Well, guess what? He didn't. He didn't even trust God. He didn't believe he could entrust his secrets to God. But in that secret place, in that intimacy, we learn that we can trust God's will. We learn to embrace his will. We learn to hold on to it. We learn that that's all that really matters is what he wants. We learn to bear his will. We learn that not only is it relevant to that secret place, but it's relevant in my family. Bearing, Bearing God's will in the relationships in my family. That may be the hardest place of all in it. Because we've had so many years of conditioning of what our model is, what our role is in our family. And it's not always good. And so for that to break to where now I want to be an expression of God's will in my family. I want to treat my spouse like God wants me to treat them. I want to treat my kids and my siblings the way God wants me to treat them. But I come to bear that will. You see, every heart has a throne. Every heart has a throne. The issue in the secret place is who's going to sit on the throne. Every one of our lives has a throne. A place where all the shots are called. A place where all of the emotions are filtered. A place where all of the thoughts are filtered. The secret place determines who's going to sit on the throne. You see, if our Christianity consists merely of what I do in a church meeting or what I do in a church building or what I do through a religious organization, I don't understand the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God permeates every area of my life. See, every area, every arena in my life, God has a will 
in that arena. Embracing the kingdom of God says, I want to embrace your will beyond the church, beyond the building, beyond the meetings. And I want to embrace your will in every single thing I do. Now, as much as I enjoy the secret place, and as much as I enjoy teaching the secret place, and you've heard it for 30 years, it's never the end to itself. It's never all about just getting a quiet time. It's never all about just having a quiet time. It is about God working in our heart in that period of time, in that secret place, in such a way that we become equipped to advance the kingdom of God out there. How many of time, you know, have we said, I had such a good time with the Lord this morning to be so mean this afternoon. We've all been there. The kingdom of God embraces not just that time, but it's the beginning of that time. Let me explain something to you. We can't call down the kingdom of God if we're not willing to embrace it in our lives. Say that again. We can't call down the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Bring it on, God. Just like it is in heaven, bring it on down here. We can't do that and then reject it in our own personal life. That's where it starts, is in our life, is embraces his, embracing his kingdom there. Now, for some who call themselves Christians, <clears throat> they don't want that much of God's interference in their life. That's just a little too much. And, and I'm reminded of a, of a book that a guy named Wilbur Reese wrote. And here's the gist of it. He says, I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a black man or pick beets with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I would like a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. But we'd never claim that or we'd never say that. But it's very easy to compartmentalize our lives to where, yes, I want God in charge here, and yes, but I don't want him in charge of the whole thing. That's what the kingdom of God is. Here's an interesting question. How do you think this prayer of Jesus's was answered? Because it has been answered. He's praying to the Father. Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus always prays the will of the Father. And 1 John tells us if we pray the will of the Father, we know that our prayer will be answered. <clears throat> How did this prayer get answered? That your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do you think that was answered? Would you raise your hand with me? Everybody, raise your hand. There it is. 
That's how it was answered. We are the will of the Father that is done in heaven to be done on earth. We're that answer. How do you think the kingdom will come to earth? You think he's going to send angels and you know cherubim and seraphim and all of them beings? It's us, folks. It's us. We are the means by which the kingdom of God comes to earth. We are the answer to his prayer. The kingdom starts here. The kingdom is established in our heart. The kingdom is advanced in each and every arena of our life. Now, I want to, I'm going to close with this. I cannot tell you how simple that makes your life. When I embrace the kingdom of God and say, you know what, Father, I, I, I surrender. We read that this morning, capture our hearts. That's indicative of a kingdom. One kingdom can't, can't <coughs> captures another kingdom. And that's saying, I want you to capture my heart. I want to surrender my will to you. When you do that, it just simplifies your life so much. Because then you don't have to figure out what to do when a certain situation comes up. You just do the will of God. You don't have to plan and scheme and design about what it's going to be. You just find out what his will is. That's the answer. Is finding your will and doing what it is you want to do. We don't have to try and decide what to do in any of the areas of our life. Because we know in advance we're going to do the will of God. As soon as I find out what it is, that's the only matter. That's the only issue. And it just cuts through all this worry and, you know, how am I going to figure it out and how's it going to happen? Just find the Lord and ask him to show you what he wants and it's settled. The stress is gone.